0: You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast.
1: Yes, sir, people. The time of the evening where you join us on your favorite show, Legal Talk, and Alhamdulillah, Legal Talk uh, is tailor made for you with the specialists that come in. And Alhamdulillah, this week it's a turn of our attorney Hafez uh, Muhammad Kuvadia. And Alhamdulillah, besides uh, giving you uh, legal, legal, uh, you know, advice, he's also uh, Full of dawah, dawah tunes, and alhamdulillah, he mixes this uh, with uh, so much of spirituality that I am uh, very fortunate to, uh, to be in company of uh, these uh, wonderful gentlemen. You know, our Ashraf Isop, he, he, he calls himself the senior attorney, Ashraf Isop. And even you, you too, Muhammad Kubad, you're a senior attorney, mashallah, Hafizab too. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh with the listeners. And tell me, how are you doing this beautiful evening?
0: Yes, I can't complain. Shabbatullah, has been good to me. And Jazakallah for your warm welcome senior attorney. But I'm always, I always feel junior when I'm in front of elders like yourself. So um, you, you're free to call me Muhammad. I'm happy with it. Jazakallah khair. How are you doing?
1: Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate I got a, a nephew like you. And then I got a son too also. Who's an attorney? Then I've got uncles that are attorneys. Then I got hey around me. I don't know. I got so many attorneys and doctors and this and that, and teachers and uh, name them accountants and uh, uh, let's see if I got pilots in the family. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, one, one. But uh, you know, everyone has a different role. Uh, what's uh, you know, uh, Mohammed and then you find uh, that those uh, people when they mention uh, you know uh, different professions, they'll talk doctor then they'll say attorney or lawyer, and then they'll say uh, accountant. And they go down like they have different categories of uh, people. Then, alhamdulillah, you know, we, we get our alims that are there, that are guiding the uh, community and so forth. Uh, you know, people generally, people generally respect titles, uh, Muhammad.
0: Gee, so if you remember in the earlier years, more your time, I'm still too young to remember that, but just to, for a matter of information, I, I heard. In the olden days, the people used to say, are you going to become a doctor, lawyer, or an accountant? I think they compartmentalized into one of three possible careers. And maybe that was because they thought, these are careers that will give you an easy lifestyle. But alhamdulillah, I think we have diversified. When I, mean, I hear of some of the things that the youngsters are doing, I'm in awe, because I thought, you know, if we were given such or, such different opportunities, where would our life have taken us? But Allah has chosen a particular role for us, we are satisfied with it, but I, what I mean is that the youngsters today, forget IT, there's IT hardware, IT software, then there's different aspects, I think it could very well be one, two, three dozen different fields within the IT department and the spectrum. And alhamdulillah, the youngsters are embarking on those particular fields. And the beautiful part is that they are going around the world and they uh, are working in different countries. And they just a phone call away, they just an email away, they just a WhatsApp call away. We find that we don't even have those types of distances. I have a brother, alhamdulillah, he's in the United States, but I speak to him more often than I would speak to my brother down the road just because it's so easy and convenient. Every day there's some message or other we, we pass between ourselves. And the brother down the road, we take it for granted, so you see him in the masjid or you see him on our occasion or two. But um, the reality is, that's how close we've become in such a diverse society.
1: Hmm. And you know, you make me think also, uh, when you look into law, you know, uh, you, you had your criminal law and you, the guys do conveyancing and so forth. And uh, now, you know, a thing like a medical law is, uh, you know, like, Everyone has to know, every doctor has to go and study medical law now, uh, because, you know, the uh, incidents of people are suing uh, doctors for, you know, the dentist and the gynecologist and all that. Uh, they need to know their law, uh, Mohammed.
0: I think every field, every field, when I speak to people in different fields, I say, you know what, you may be, for example, um, uh, you may run a crash, but become familiar with the, or the rules, regulations, legislation that's accompanied in your particular profession. So we sometimes have to guide them through and train them, and teach them how is it that when you admit a the child, these are the forms, these are indemnities, this is the person who is responsible. What happens in the event of this way? There may be a divorce, and the father and mother fighting. Who comes to pick up the child? You you have to become acquainted. That's the nature of the function that you you in. So even in law, for example, we also have different um, uh, fields of law. So you could find that a person would like and maybe he specializes in the medical fraternity or he loves medicine and he just somehow never got into medical university, but he could diversify and do medical law. So for example, a lot of these third party claims have an element of medical um, uh, responsibility. So an attorney needs to become au fait and familiar with medical terms. He gets a specialist report. He needs to take that report and quantify it into figures. Um, and obviously, if you've got a passion for medicine, this would make your work so much more um, appealing and, you know, fruitful, and you are able to achieve so much more. There are other attorneys, for example, I know that they have a passion for aviation and flying. Mm. If they then go into aviation law. Some, people, some, 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 some uh, attorneys could specialize in the law of import and export, knowing that we're living in a global economy now that. Your container comes from China, but everything is damaged. Now the customer is, uh, is is upset. He needs to sue. What's the laws associated with import and export? In which court do you take this up? In Hong Kong court or, or Shanghai? Or do you take it out here in Johannesburg or in Brompton? So jurisdictional matters, issues of damages, issues of liability. The law has become so, uh, so specialized that, you know, you can't do everything. You can't be a jack of all trades and a master of none. I think today... The legal requirements and the business requirements are such that you obviously want to specialize, become a master. I always tell the juniors, do something, be good at what you're doing so that people look up to you. You not, you may not be able to get all the business in the area, but if you are, have a selective client base, people will come to you from far and wide. If you are in a tax attorney, for example, um, there, there's a person in Devon who has a tax problem many years. Now, so-and-so attorney is a very good tax uh, attorney. And he's the one that would possibly be able to win your case. So sit down with him, because with everything comes the experience. And experience is what makes you a good attorney. You know, you may start, and, and for any profession, a mechanic will look at a problem, and because he's got 20 years of experience, he's able to tell you in two minutes what's your problem. A junior mechanic will have to stop the engine, he'll have to look, he'll have to start, he'll have to put the engine together and then tell you your problem. So it may take him two days to reach the same conclusion. So yes, alhamdulillah, I think we're living in an economy where if you are specialized, you are able to provide a better service to your clients. you are able to become more um, a a niche, create a niche market for yourself, your practice becomes more lucrative, and then because you know what you are doing, you're specializing and you're concentrating your efforts, in the same, obtaining the same results, at the end of the day, your workload also becomes, you don't have to go back and read the law every time. You start on a new matter.
1: Well, you know, you recall. I, I mean, uh, you, you tickle my brains, and I recall a uh, moment I had uh, with a uh, you know attorney, and he was talking to me. He said, you know, shafaz, I'd like to do something, you know, that will uh, really uh, you know make me a lot of money. And at that time, I looked at him. He was, uh, I said, well, what about marine law? He said, hey, man, marine law. I said, Yeah, you're in Durban. There's uh, ships coming here. He went and did it, Mohammed. Guess what? He's too big oh, now. He's, he's too big. He's too big for me to, for me to meet him. I have to make appointment now.
0: You're still lucky. I give you a time of day, sir. But the way things are going, I should. And uh, Alhamdulillah, I'm just joking with you. I'll always have time for you. But but you know what? If you are passionate about something, if you love doing it, you'll find that you won't consider it to be a job, but rather it will be something you'll take a lot of pleasure in doing. Hmm. And Alhamdulillah, my day I spend a bit of time in the morning in my office looking after my practice, and I have. My kids were there with me there and a few other staff members. And Alhamdulillah, I, 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 I I am satisfied what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me in the afternoons. Alhamdulillah, today we went out and we did da'wah and, um, six people accepted Islam. So Alhamdulillah, this is a part of my day can also be used for the purpose of doing da'wah. This was just three da'wah in a township area. And, um, you know, if, if, if we have that also, Allah tells us in the Quran that verily in the remembrance of Allah is the satisfaction of the heart so as much as we have the dunya and we have to meet the requirements of the dunya i think our spirituality also needs to be fed and uh, with that if we remember Allah we go out and do his work and we we do our zakar and we do our the why not Allah is definitely going to give us completeness in body,
1: mind, and soul. Well, the important part you made, uh, you know, you talk about Dawah, and uh, this was always my gripe, is uh, that, you know, it's good to do the Dawah, get people read the Shahada, or the Kalimah, and, you know, the follow-up, Muhammad. That is such an important thing, the follow-up, to make sure that these people are taken care of, and that, you know, alhamdulillah, there is an impetus coming. But uh, the uh, important thing is, it should be, uh, we uh, it should be those uh, that should be motivating them you know, all the time. And uh, Alhamdulillah, in your case, Allah has blessed you with uh, a lot of uh, dunya also. So, <laughs> mashallah, you, you you take good care of people, uh, Muhammad. and I'm sure you uh, you do the follow up. Oh,
0: so, uh, funny enough, what you said now, was uh, one of the brothers started speaking to me and this was exactly what came up. So I said, because these brothers came from far, they came from about 60 kilometers to be in this town. And for me, it was around the corner. I quickly jumped into my car after, the, uh, after, uh, after Salah and I went out and I met them and I spent the hour with them, hour, two hours with them, and I came back. So this was the question that came up because we're living 60 kilometers. I said, firstly, when you do the Dawah in an area like this, tie yourself up to the local masjid, tie yourself up to the local Imam. So that when the people accept Islam, take their details, Make sure they get into contact with the Imam or the Imam can makes contact with them. The Imam goes to visit them. The Imam brings them into the masjid. Because if they feel uncomfortable coming into the masjid for the first time, we can't blame them for that. It's Like you walking into a church or a monastery or something and for the first time you may not know and understand what it, what it involves. So if you have the imam, bring them in, show them this is the toilet. If you need to relieve yourself, you go here. Yeah, this is the place for the wudu. This is how we make the wudu. This is how we make the salah. So every day, what time are you available to come? And he says, maybe after work between six and seven o'clock and night to come. He says, I will wait for you six and seven o'clock. If I'm not here, his brother uh, is going to be here every day and he's going to start teaching you. So that's the one thing. Tie yourself up when you're doing the dawah to the local masjid. So even if you go out, uh, you go away and you go back home. Nothing must stop you. Chitan mustn't influence you in any way. So if I'm driving to Cape Town and along the way in the Karoo, I stop and I meet two brothers. Doesn't mean because I may not see these two brothers again. I mustn't know. Do the dawah, but find a mechanism. This is the local imam. Or I'm going to take your number. I'm going to make some inquiries. Tomorrow I'm going to phone you back and I'm going to tell you so-and-so is going to uh, meet with you. Don't let shaitan take advantage of the opportunity and say, you know what, we can't do dawah. Because, of course, that's, that's a major gripe amongst people is, you people make them Muslim, but we have to sit with them. We turn them into professional burgers. Now they're looking for work here outside the masjid. Now they're coming and they're using the masjid. Forget all those excuses. Our job is to do the dawah like Allah. That it, is, it is Allah that brought them into guidance. He gave them a diet in the first place. It is Allah that will continue to look after them. You never, we never brought anybody into Islam. Our work and our effort is maybe to uh, to say a few kind words to the person, and because of that particular effort, Allah gave them guidance at the end of the day. Allah brought them for many years. Allah put them, had them in darkness, Allah brought them into the light. And it is Allah that will continue to look after them. So we do what is... Allah does not place a burden more than you can bear. Tomorrow, 100 people accept Islam. Each Each of the 100 people is not your personal responsibility. You can only do what you can do. If you spend a little bit of money, if you spend a little bit of time, spend a little bit of energy, Allah will give you the reward commensurate to the type of energy that you spend. But always... You know, always uh, let's not lose sight of the fact that we are living in a country where there is fertile grounds, where there is fertile opportunities. We go out and we do the dowel. There's a sense of relief. There's a sense of comfort. There's a sense of satisfaction that we feel. But at the end of the day, we are changing somebody's lives. We are changing somebody's destiny. We are changing somebody's fortunes. This is, this is how uh, a, a die should think that... Um, he, he is making a huge difference in us it's a small difference it's just a few minutes hours of our time but for that person it is a life-changing event and we should try our best at all times not to lose sight of that
1: goal and uh, may allah reward you for those wise words uh, that you're speaking and i can uh, i can see it or can i feel it i got a feeling it's coming from uh, deep within the recesses of your spiritual soul and Alhamdulillah, a lot of spirituality coming here. You know, it brings me to another question uh, with the advent of uh, social media and all these different platforms, Instagram, that gram and YouTube and, and Twitter and, you know, name it, everything is there. But then you get so many of these uh, dais coming through and, you know, some of them, uh, okay, they act like uh, stars there and they talk about this thing and, they, you know, uh, maybe looking at the uh, likes and the dislikes they get through. But the bottom line here is, uh, Muhammad you are someone that walks the talk. You, you go into the field, you meet the people, and you know you like someone that reminds me of being with the garib. You know what I mean? But <laughs> mm. <laughs> you but laugh now. You know I'm I'm tuning like a guy from the street. You know you know what I mean. eh? Okay? No, so, I understand. You know, All right. Now go I'm uh, listen to my point here. Once you you know you do that, but these guys are sitting in cushy studios, they're talking, they're smiling, and, you know, they, but they're not walking the talk, like you. And, uh, then, you, you find these celebrity, uh, dais. Uh, they are more in the area where, they are, you know, people are of middle class or the, or the high, you know, uh, the, the, the higher class. But very rarely you'll find them going to the locations or to the areas where there are poor people. Uh, what's your take on that
0: so i'm thinking you know if we and of course it's very personal if we start looking at what everybody else is doing then we lose sight of what we ourselves need to be doing you know we always say the molana is supposed to be attending to this the is supposed to be attending to this this islamic organization is doing the tower this is doing the work we we are critical and we're waiting for everybody else to do the work. Are we part of the Umar? What are we doing initially when we lie in our graves? There's no this Islamic Relief organization or this Zakat organization or this that's going to come to our defense. It's nafsi, nafsi. So much so that the researchers told us about Hadith about each of the on the day of Qiyamah. They will be saying nafsi, nafsi. So I, I I work together with everybody who wants to do the work. Oh, in the week we we. We, we did a program uh, where myself and Mulana addressed the Christian audience uh, about Islam. It needs to be done at different levels. Sometimes you're speaking to your own Muslim brothers. You go into a home and nobody is making Salah. We need to encourage them. We need to remind them. We need to, as Muslims, we have to do that as well. We have to go to the Muslims. We have to go to the non-Muslims. you have to go to the hard nuts as well, you have to go to the Bible Compass as well, you have to go to the people in the street, and you have to be that type of person, you have to be flexible, and your approach needs to be flexible. When you speak to a person in the street, you have a very cordial, a very loving approach, sometimes you have to have a a more harsher approach when you're dealing with other people, like Muslims, and you talk to them, and you say, listen, the the fact that you're not making salah is unacceptable, you need to stand up now and make salah, otherwise, you know, there's going to be war, you use a different approach. But I think, you know, Everybody is doing what they can, some, some in this particular field. Some people are better orators than others. Some people are better writers than others. Some people are better in, in their finances and able to assist and build massages. So I think we all are body. We all, uh, we all uh, as an Omar, we all have to work together. Uh, that person may be doing Da'wah on TikTok and on YouTube, and maybe he appeals to a particular group of people or he's getting a particular success. Alhamdulillah, good for him. Maybe through his effort, we will benefit in the community, and and like that, I, I believe. Let everybody continue to do what what they best in doing. Islam is like that. Those people that can that can fast more. Or would fast more and receive the benefit of fasting because for some people, fasting would be harder. So the, for the other person who fasting may be harder, it may be easier for him to get up for a tahajjud and spend an hour or half an hour in tahajjud and for, let him excel in what he can do. And if he doesn't fast, so be it. I mean, the voluntary fast, of course. And the other person on the other is good endower He eats, he overindulges when he eats, he laughs too much, he's not the best person when it comes to fasting, he's not the best person when it comes to writing books, but put him on the stage, put him in the street, suddenly he he wows the audience, he's able to convince people about Islam. Yes, Allah has given us all gifts. I mean, we know Musa alayhi salam had the, 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 the issue with his speech, but he tried his best, he overcame whatever difficulties he took the instruction of allah to the Firon of the time and he did what he could do and alhamdulillah you know we recognize him as being a mighty prophet one of the mightiest of prophets notwithstanding his uh, his defect in his speech so allah chooses us we do what we can on the day of kiamat if we have achieved as best as we can maybe there'll be some sort of comfort and relief to say what we can although by and large it's going to be a day of regret because all of us, all of us are guilty of not having done as much as we should be. And alhamdulillah, you may be spending a lot of time doing radio work and promoting, and you're reaching many homes and you're reaching many hearts, and as a result of which, people's lives are being changed. As a result of which, you find people that weren't good Muslims are better Muslims. You find as a result of which, somebody may come across your program, listen to it, change his heart. That's a form of dawah. If I discourage you, i may the net result may be that somebody down the line may not benefit from your effort and your good work
1: well well with the you know as you said i'm a senior man and I, with the uh, you know maybe i had a long uh, innings before you came into the market <laughs> I mean, I'm you using that as a, as a term. But uh, between you and I, I mean, I worked with the Sheikh Ahmadi that, Rahimullah. Uh, you know, at that time, IPCI was uh, the organization. We were right on, uh, mashallah. So, what we did, we did everything. That's why I look at it in totality as uh, someone that, yeah, that's been uh, in in our work for many many years and still is and uh, there I looked at it you know the that used to send in schools we used to go give out rulers and we used to go and give the uh, speech that we took with us an African Dai, that spoke the language he translated for us so you know with the poor did that was there and suddenly we went to the universities and there you know we had different uh, categories of students from the middle class to the high class we did Dawa with them and uh, you know then uh, subsequently we went Went to uh, various masajids, uh, where they used to allow us uh, to come and uh, give talks, we gave the talks, and then the street dawah was there. Then he trained us in, you know, one of the most humiliating training was Muhammad. Was he said, listen better. Now you have to go door to door, and ask a businessman to sponsor a Quran or a calendar, Muhammad. That was the hardest thing to do in my life because, you know, you had to convince the person and some people were, you know, were magnanimous, others were hard-hearted and, you know, you had to hear so many things, and you say, but you're such a powerful and rich organization, what are you asking this for? And then you had to give answers and so forth. And you know, that was a total uh, Dawa organization. And you know, when you looked at uh, Ahmadi that came from a very poor background and suddenly he had uh, you know access to millions, but Alhamdulillah, for us, uh, being there and uh, you know, being under his uh, he's uh, uh, what you captain, he's he being our captain. Uh, I I learned a lot there. And uh, subsequently, I remember his words to me. He said, Shafat, I to make you a personality. And I looked at him and I said, what he means by this? He wants me to be a personality and so forth. But he invested in my broadcasting, invested in my journalism. And uh, that uh, today, you know, uh, uh, is holding me in good stead. But as I say, uh, you know, Allahu Alam, that whatever we do, we should do it in the manner that pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala most. But, you know, sometimes, you know, if you want to listen, we talk. If you don't want to listen, you know, we we we, we won't uh, we we won't waste uh, waste our fresh air on you or our breath on you. But Alhamdulillah, Muhammad, with you, the passion that you have, and I, you know, I have this desire to talk to you. And there's uh, individuals that give you stories upon stories that will you know that will boggle your mind. The Vatican used to phone us when they still listen to our comparative religion program, where Hashim Amla used to phone as a schoolboy uh, to, to, to enter the competition on our comparative religion program, got to know him there, and many other personalities that, that came through. And, you know, as you said, Allah has given me uh, a chance. I mean, uh, so many years, and I thought, hey, I'll be pegging off at this time and at that time. And I, uh, my bargaining tool with Allah is, you know what, as long as if I serve, uh, serve thee, let me carry on, Muhammad.
0: So, of course, you know, DAWA involves the support. You need the support of well wishers to be able to continue the DAWA. So, some of the, I must tell you, you know, it takes money, and a lot of times the volunteers or the people that assist, rather, the assistants need to get paid because they have families, and it does take a certain amount of finances to be able to run the DAWA organization. But um, at the same time, you know, we mustn't allow that to to, to, to to deter us from continuing the dawah. I, 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 you know, sometimes when I appeal to friends and successful businessmen and I say we need to embark on this particular project, I tell them once and you find that they forever support us, uh, supporting us on, on projects of this particular nature. So we do certain things and we've learned certain things in dawah that maybe I can share with you and, you know, I share with other people. One is that we always, Encourage people to try to learn the indigenous language, at least one indigenous language. It helps when you're doing dawah. For, for starters, at least learn a few catchphrases. You know, so, for example, uh, if you want to say in a Sutu in or a language that uh, there's only one God, you say, Mudimu Fera, one. They can understand the minute you say it to them in that particular language, automatically they understand what the message that you're trying to say. has a level of respect for you now because you're trying to talk to him in his language. So that's important. Number two is that you need a certain amount of budget. By you collecting money... Um, and, and helping people today, we, we throw hundreds of thousands of rands into masjids every month, every year. And yet, we find that we can, there's other resources and ways to use money. So, for example, I was explaining to him, I said, see, a person accepts Islam now. You're telling him from today, you need to eat halal food. But this person earns 500 rand a week. He's going to go home. He's going to open up his freezer. He's going to see I only got the pork from yesterday. You'd eat The, the Molana said I mustn't eat uh, haram meat. But I don't have any other food. My children are going to go hungry. And what are they? I'm not going to take this pork and throw it in the dustbin. All his life he's been uh, eating the pork. Suddenly, why did the pork automatically become haram for him and for him to throw it in the dustbin? Now you've put him in a very difficult situation and you've given him a 100 rand, and you said, listen, please... Go and buy yourself some halal meat, go buy some halal chicken, or, or just go buy some fruit and vegetables and start eating from this. And don't eat, you're not allowed to eat that pork anymore. you have given him an alternative. Also remember, when people, the Christians have this mindset, when they go to church, they must dress well and look well. And, you know, we also have that. We don't go to Muslim with our clothes. We wear our nice clothes. But at the same time, they have a different approach for them. it must, I must wear my my suit and I must go to church. So when I go to mosque, I have to wear nice clothes. At least if I don't wear a suit, I must wear a nice shirt and a nice trouser. But the clothes that he wears because he's been gardening, working in your garden, he's working in the car wash, he's working at the mechanics. He's coming home, he's looking at himself. He says, I can't go to the mosque looking like this. But if you gave him 100 or 200 or 300 and said, buy yourself some nice clothes so when you go into the mosque because in his mind he thinks every time he goes into the mosque he must dress up for that occasion that's the Christian mentality so if you have a few rands in your budget Give it to him. Make him feel welcome. He's now Zakatable. If he doesn't have money, use some Zakat money. Encourage him. If there's some call rings that you keep with you when you do your dawah, give him a call ring. Let him be comfortable. Let it, uh, let's, you know, these are ways today that, that, that our dawah and our finances need to work together. Yes, Qurans are important. Books are important. All these things are important. They need to support your dawah. So you need to have a budget that's associated with this. But do the work... And Allah will
1: open up the way, inshallah. A lot of sense there. And also, you know, as you said, uh, you know, be magnanimous to them. I mean, sometimes uh, when you open up our drawers, I mean, look at the amount of clothes we have. And, you know, maybe label clothes and this and that. And I know I did this uh, last week and I looked at it and I told my wife, please clear this out. You know, there's a, I don't even wear them now. And, uh, you know, and she looked at it, yeah, I said, yeah. That's, and mashallah, now I'm feeling very comfortable that I see uh, all these clothes are gone. And uh, uh, she gave it to, I said, no, she said, How, who must have? I said, start with uh, our garden boy. Give him, uh, you know, as much as you can, and then uh, give the rest to the mawzin and whoever is in the mosque out. and uh, let's see, they they can wear all that. So you know, really speaking, Muhammad, you know, we can leave the dunya tomorrow, but uh, you know, what are we hoarding so many clothes for and so many items? And we got this and that. Tomorrow, when you're gone, you, you know, you just go with your two uh, with your two pieces of calico, and there you and your. Uh, Grave, and uh, you know, soon uh, you're forgotten. And as you made the uh, uh, important point, is uh, what you invested in the path of Allah, and what you invested in calling people to the Deen. That will hold you in uh, good stead in the Akhirah also. But Alhamdulillah, the Hidayat came to you to go and do the work. You know, earlier on, you were talking about uh, you know, parents, and you know, the disputes between couples today uh, is getting, um, you know, it's becoming. Uh, you know, you talk about pandemic. This is a pandemic uh, that is uh, hitting uh, society now. He is where uh, you know divorce is so rife and so forth. And as you said, you know parents uh, at school uh, coming uh, on the brink of divorce or divorced, and the poor child uh, doesn't know who, who to choose and how to choose. You know because the dad they love the dad and mom equally. What happens in a scenario like this, uh, Mohammed?
0: I'm so glad that you brought up this question, Shafaa. This is such an important question. I myself in the last week, the cause of this week came across three separate incidences where I was called and I was requested for to advise the person. So in most of these incidences, children that had approached me and said, you know what, my father and my mother are talking about divorce or they are separated or my father is now being difficult with my mother because of financial reasons. He's now married again, for example. So he now believes that my mother is not entitled to maintenance although they divorced and he was supporting her. And I, I, I each one it was as if I had to start from scratch. The first thing I mentioned to to the I said, how is it that the parents divorce became your problem? When parents get divorced and no matter who was right and who was wrong, you as a child have no right from an Islamic perspective to judge who is right and who was wrong. Allah does not ask you to take, to take sides between your parents. The Qur'an doesn't ask you. The Islam does not ask you. Islam does not ask you to say, stick with your mother. In the event of a problem, stay with the mother, stay with the father. There were instances, of course, that by 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 human nature, the children gravitate to the mother, irrespective. As soon as there is a problem in the family, The children gravitate to the mother because there is some sort of bond that the mother has with the children that the father does not have. And we understand that. But at the same time, they begin to judge the father. The father is bad now. Now we're not going to talk to the father. You know what? I've, I've read the Quran from cover to cover. I have not found anywhere in the Quran that the parents are required to respect and be good to the children. Unlike how you read about the various instances in the Quran, when Allah talks about that you have a responsibility with your parents, you have to treat them with kindness, with ihsan, as is, is, is the words of the Quran
1: use,
0: mm, that you have to be gracious, you can't even translate the word Ihsan, that's how meritorious it is. Mm. There's only one, to be fair, there's only one verse in the Quran that talks about the parents' responsibility towards the children. You <speaking> see, Allah has decreed that in your world, in your uh, estate, this is what your children inherit. So regarding the rights and obligations of the parents towards adult ed- 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 children, we see nothing of that except for inheritance. So the children say that, you know what, my father is elderly and my father doesn't want to support my mother. So I turned around and I said, you are a doctor, you are a businessman, your sisters are, and the sisters are all well-to-do. When did you think to yourself, why is it that my father is still supporting my mother? We are successful in our own right. When are we going to start supporting our parents? When are we going to say, yeah, but my father is a millionaire. Your father could be a billionaire. But he, what he went through in the first twenty years of your life, you will never be able to repay him. what your mother went through in the first nine months, you will never be able to carry her to repay her, even if you carried her on your back for the rest of your life. We know of the incident where the person um, the, the incident of Ways Curry, was unable to come for need to be some because of the service of his mother. And now the Wisallahu held him in high esteem because of the relationship that he had with his mother. Somebody came to Ibn Umar and he said, I carried my mother in Hajj. Have I paid my, uh, repaid my mother and compensated her? He said, Never. You have never repaid her and you have never compensated her, even if you carried her for the whole Hajj. So, when we listen to what the rights and obligations are, what about uh, the hadith of the Wisallahu when the person complained to the Wisallahu and he said, my father is usurping my rights. My father is eating my wealth. The businessman said, "Call your father here." And he came there. And he, the, the 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 father explained what he did. The wisdom turned to the son and he said, "Anta wamaluk apparently everything that you and you, you, you and what you own belongs to your father. Your your father has a right over your assets. That even the wisdom has warned us and told us about. So when does our obligation to our parents start, and when does it stop? Today, we have children that are expecting their parents who are living in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s to fend for themselves. Mm. So be it if the parents are financially independent. So be it if they're collecting sasa. But you know what? Is that how we've become? Today, our parents are living. We are fortunate in that we have living parents. But what rights do they have till their death is something that we can never... It's immeasurable. It's innumerable. And even if you... Like I say, even if you do the world for them, there's only one instance, according to the Western that you can actually repay your father. If your father was a slave and you took him out of slavery, that means you purchased him out of slavery and you set him free, that's the only time where your father's rights have been paid for. How many of us have taken our parents out of slavery? We haven't. It's impossible. So the, the, the natural rule is that those of us that have our parents alive, we still have the door of open to us. And those of us that have our parents that have passed away, why can't we make dua for them daily? Why can't we make the istifar? Why can't we give charity in the name? These are things, so for, for a person to come to me and tell them, tell me that my parents are usurping my rights, I feel that, you know, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Mm. In today's day and age, you are telling me that your parents are usurping your rights. What rights did they actually reserve when you've given them nothing of your rights? So, you know, unfortunately today, divorces, we, we have divorces and part of, you know, of, of our society. In the time of Nabi some divorces were rife as well. Nabi Sassam was tantamount, was close to divorcing his wife. And uh, we, we know this in the, in the Sira. But at the end of the day, we deal appropriately, Ihsan. Goodness. Allah, after, after Allah speaks about tawheed and worshiping Allah. Allah says then that Allah has decreed that we are good to our parents, and if one or both of them are alive, then we should look after them, and we should not even say off, off, being disrespect. in any other way. You know, banging the phone down of your on your on your parent is off. Um, saying I'm not interested is off. So how much? Today, do we know of the Qur'an that we can implement of the Qur'an? How much of the Qur'an and Islam are we actually practicing when we're making statements like this? Statements that are so harsh and so hard that if you fall on your parents' ears, your parents would have no sense of comfort knowing that my son can actually talk to me
1: Muhammad Allah, you know, uh, you're already firing on all cylinders uh, through divine decree. And every word that you're talking is making a lot of sense. And as you say, you know, perhaps uh, you, uh, you, uh, you know, you're looking at the, uh, Western, uh, or the Western values, uh, or I, if they got values, uh, or Western t- intoxication is coming through. And uh, that uh, we've been captured with this mindset uh, by these uh, uh, Western thoughts, uh, you know, where they say, uh, you know, people like even Jimmy Swaggart uh, told Ahmadi that I'm only allowed, uh, allowed one choice but you know the other choices he made and the same with the uh, teachings of the church uh, you know where in Europeans it's okay for them or oh, in the West to have uh, so many mistresses, uh, but uh, the, the the one wife uh, thing uh, doesn't come to the equation. Uh, you know all these things. Uh, when these things happen, uh, Muhammad, how do, does uh, the uh, uh, a Muslim lawyer reacts to 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 all this? When uh, you have cases coming like this, where they say, you know what, uh, I've done this and that, but I didn't subscribe to the Western uh, system, uh, Muhammad.
0: You know, the first thing as Muslims, not only a Muslim lawyer, any Muslim that says, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulallah, whenever he listens to a huqam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whenever he listens to a ruling, he must say, Sami'na wa adana. We have heard, we have obeyed. Today, unfortunately, we ourselves have no confidence that our religion is the best religion uh, on the face of the earth. Today, we are questioning our own religion. We do not have certainty of belief. we do not have yakin and we do not have hinul yakin. We do not have the reality of our existence. Today we question, for example the the value of polygamy what what value is there in polygamy? How is it that it's uh, we, uh, like you say, give me a second, and did not have this particular argument, and today it doesn't make sense because it ruins the family whole now first of all, Nalah. What to be making a statement against what Allah has decreed. Allah talks very strongly about it in, in the Quran when Allah says, That it is not for a believer, male or female, that when Allah and His Nabi has decreed on something, then me and you should have an opinion about it. We have no right to say Faisallah is too hard. We have no right to say polygamy is wrong. These are statements that the ulema has said a kufar statement. They are liable to take you out of the fold of Islam. We must accept it wholeheartedly. If we do not understand the ruling... Then it is because of our own deficiency. We may or may not come to realize what the beauty of the ruling may be. So today I've written a book on polygamy also in the past. And in polygamy I explain at so many levels why polygamy is exactly the solution to the problems of humanity. You say today we have mistresses all over the show. That is the reality. You know, there's, there's, you hear some of the scholars say two things. Don't tempt a man or a person or a religious person. Or one is money and the second thing is a woman. And it's actually the the reality that if we li- listen to the stories of the Bani Israel and some of the stories that ruined the previous nations. it involved exactly money and women. And people that they thought they great and they're pious and they uh, ibadis and they allah wallahs, Some of them even sell because of the weakness of women. But yet Islam knows. Allah knows the creation. Allah knows who we are. He has created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Like Allah says in the Quran, uh, we are closer to You than Your jugular vein. Knowing that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows our very workings and our mechanisms. So now, if we look at it, and Allah says, polygamy, in the in the in the the, not as as a as a rule, but as an exception, is the better way to go. Meaning that. It keeps us away from fawahisha. It keeps us away from lewdness. It keeps us away from vice. It completes our lives in so many ways. We do not have illicit relationships. We do not combat amongst the kabahir and the major sins in Islam. We continue to be dutiful servants because of a ni'mah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us. Christians today argue, your Prophet, Asna'udhu billah, had nine wives, had eleven wives, and his wives were so old, and his wives were so young, and thus, and that, uh, uh, these are things that are beyond our understanding. We are unable to begin to grasp what the value of those uh, those 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 hokums are for the business. today Islam is two billion people. It started off with a couple of dozen people, and this was necessary, whatever the situation was but among the reasons I can, I can surmise is that it was necessary for groups of people you know Maria Coptic was an Egyptian that came and she came from a high lineage and when these people came into Islam, hundreds if not thousands of people came with them to Islam. And this is how Allah used the personality of Nabi to spread Islam in a way that today we are we we can be strong in numbers and we can be a, a force to be reckoned with. We don't judge it. We say, this is what Allah has decreed, and we leave it like that. And if we are unable to explain explain it to a non-Muslim, we say, my brother, this is what Allah has decreed. I never asked Allah what his explanation was. I don't know what it is. And uh, uh, so be it. A person will respect you, at least for being honest, and you are not lying, and you're saying it exactly the way it is. If you manage to come up, with some rationale, and that may be plausible in the circumstances, alhamdulillah. Maybe that is the, one of the indulgences granted to the resolution But the deen, we need to, firstly, we need to convince ourselves that we are on the haq. Today, Muslims are sitting on the, on the, on the, on the fence, so to speak. Uh, we, 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 we don't even, our, our iman itself is so weak that today a small wind comes and blows us over. And tomorrow, you know, uh, members in our family are not Muslim anymore. Members in our family are turning to the alphabets that are LGBTQI+. Members in our family are turning into, uh, going into to, to astray in this religion because they do not have the confidence that we need to be good Muslims. So yes, um, you know, regarding the, in, in situations like this year, where we confronted with these issues, as a Muslim first, this will be my, my response. As a professional, I need to know my religion a step further. I need to be able to answer Islam when it comes to confrontations by non-Muslims, Our own Muslims need to be taught sometimes. Sometimes I need to explain to the elderly people, you're going to draw your world, please draw it in accordance with Sharia, because Islam is about justice, Islam is about equality, Islam is about looking, uh, giving everybody the haq and their risk in in terms of what Allah has decreed. The minute you feel that your justice is better than Allah's justice, you are now creating your own religion. Allah tells us that whoever who judges other than the law of Allah verily he is a kafir. So if you're going to do a well or you're going to make a decision that goes contrary to Allah and the soul, then unfortunately you're on a different page, you're on a different book. You're not not following Islamic principles. And I, as a Muslim professional, need to be able to explain that to a person I'm talking to and um, hope that uh, at least some benefit will pass over.
1: I think a lot of benefit uh, coming through this evening uh, with, uh, you know, Muhammad. uh, All his encyclopedias coming out directly from the brains, yeah, from the brains and, uh, mashallah, keeping us on the straight and narrow. Yes, uh, Mohammed, as you talk about, I mean, uh, let's talk about, uh, the uh, that are in our community and, you know, a marriage uh, and you know to so many marriages, uh, uh, young men and women getting married and the marriages are uh, ending up rather very quickly and uh, some say, you know, when you talk to uh, different individuals, they say, uh, but you know, you'll ask a young man, why are you not getting married and you said, no man, they're only in for the money, the girls only want the money. How do you? React to that uh, when you uh, hear youngsters talk like that, uh, Muhammad?
0: You know, it would be improper for me not to encourage marriageable youngsters to get married. It is from the Sunnah of Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that we encourage the youngsters to get married, and even if it means that the person is 18 years old or 20 years old or 22 years old. And I understand that societal norms have been pushing back the boundaries. So all the grandparents got married when they were 14 years old and 16 years old. And it was very legal to do that also. The other day I read something. They criticized the Muslims that the Muslim Muslim's wife was 9 years old. In America, 100 years ago, the age for getting married was 10 in all states, except Iowa, and that was 7 years old. So the culture of getting married even 100 years ago was 10 and 12 and 14 years old. So don't come to me in 2023 and tell me that something that was done 1,400 years ago is wrong. Go live 1,400 years ago, experience the culture, and then come back and tell me it was wrong because then you would have changed your mindset. Be that as it may. Today, if we do not, when we make, like they say, when we make marriages difficult, then we make adultery and fornication easy. Today, when we tell our children, Nobody, you know, you can't get married until you get a job and you get mm-hmm. to university and you buy your house and you buy your car. Then what we are doing, we're opening the door for Shaitan. Because now he's got a girlfriend and now he, meet, and he sits with his girlfriend and they chat and they even have what you call house permission where they go to weddings together and they're sitting together and fraternizing in the home with the family and the lunches and the suppers and the brides. He's already part and parcel. And then after few years, the Christian mentality is swap it around, get another one, a girlfriend, because this girlfriend is only in it for the money, and this girlfriend has got bad habits here, but she was, she was good enough for you so, uh, to, to take and use, uh, and abuse somebody else's daughter until it became inconvenient for you. So firstly, yes, yes, I understand, that uh, if there may be differences in marriage, but there were differences in marriage a 100 years ago, and our forefathers stuck it through, they got married at 14, and the only time they parted is when the the the, 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 the body, the deceased, the marhums, left uh, left the home and went to the cremation. That was the first time we could say there was a separation between the couple. For 50 years, the couple would live together. They would smile. They would laugh. Today we have become intolerant. We have become unsocial sociable. And and when I say this I'm I'm being very general because this is the reality. I'm not particularly picking on anybody. The youngster sits in front of the T V the whole day. He doesn't know how to conduct himself in front of adults. He doesn't know how to talk to people. He doesn't have adapt he doesn't the youngsters come to me today sometimes and you talk and you say, um, uh, you ask them a question, and they're rude they respond uh, they they the response is rude, and yet they don't realize that they 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 respond their retort is actually rude to me. I would say you know um a simple question you know you went to you went for umrah you, you didn't get me a bottle of zamzam, and his response would be something that he seems extremely lo- uh, normal where you go every year for Umrah, uh, you know you you can you get your own zamzam water. But that's not the response they say no i was some the water at home i'm going to come bring you a glass tomorrow come to my house come have some dates and kajur and then and, and, and i know and kajur and come have." this is what a pleasant youngster would tell you but today you find that so their culture is different you know they they've, they've got this. they don't they're not socially uh, 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 adaptive and they when they speak to spouses and they get married suddenly after three months it's like you know we can't live together why not no, because uh, she's got this habit and he's got that habit. But by the way, where is the tolerance? How much have you tolerated? You know, they say in Afrikaans, must salt you must actually finish eating seven bags of salt before you open your mouth, because that's what it's all about, is you've got to go through the hardship, you've got to go through the trials, and you've got to have the patience. Let's go back to Zambia, to Ketibrayim, a.s.a., Look at the difficulties he had to have in a polygamous marriage. Look how he dealt with it. Look at the responsibility that he had on his shoulders, and look at the result. At the end of the day, he became a father of prophets, and he became a grandfather of prophets, he became a grandfather, and he became the father of monotheism, as we call it today. This is a person who had his own personal domestic issues. To get the life of Naveesa, To at the instances in the Quran where it's mentioned, and the instances of Hafsa and Aisha, and how they used to turn the otherwise. To Look at his relationship with Soda, how it became difficult at one stage. Yes, my brother, it happens to the best of people, it's definitely going to happen to you and to me. But what does it mean? What, what, what happens in a successful marriage? Somebody is Accommodating the partners, understand the Islamic responsibilities, that if i beautiful to Allah, it is Allah that puts the love in my heart. This love that comes into my heart, to my wife, is only as a result Allah says, If Allah gives you the love and the mercy, this is of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah takes, puts the love in your heart, it is Allah that takes away the love in, uh, from your heart. So be dutiful to Allah, ask Allah for patience. Ask Allah for love, ask Allah for mercy, and at the end of the day, they will the marriages will be full of blessings, they will be productive marriages, they will serve the purpose and the functions of marriages in the society. But we need our youngsters to abandon those TV games. What if the call of jihad comes tomorrow? Mm. How many youngsters are ready to stand up? How many youngsters are true Muslims, true fighters, true mujahideen in this religion? How many of us have learned, how many of us uh, as parents have taught our children other, respect. This is how you talk to an elderly person. Don't talk to my father's friend as if he's your friend. And you need to respect him and treat him as an elder and a senior in the community. And inshallah, like that, with these life lessons, marriage can become much more tolerable. And yes, like I said, Moustache, divorce is not something taboo. We shouldn't look at it as divorce. If it happens for any particular reason that the the, the spouses separate, say Alhamdulillah, Allah gave us an opportunity. For the five years that we were married, we had blessings of children, we went for Umrah together, we used to do our deen together, we, uh, we elevated and we supported and we encourage each other in the same way. So Allah decreed that we're going to be together for five years. Alhamdulillah. Don't go to your friends and say what a terrible person she was. Don't go on social media and start insulting your, your ex and, and start, uh, which is not the way of, of Islam. We should have a different level. We should be people that set the moral standard for everybody else. Let's not let the West set the moral standard to us.
1: Hmm. Muhammad, uh, you know, uh, making a lot of sense there. And alhamdulillah, you know, I hope and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses the youth, uh, the future of uh, the ummah. And uh, inshallah, give them uh, the right uh, uh, decision to make. And alhamdulillah, you know, maybe uh, you as a motivational speaker uh, will also make a difference. And, uh, you know, talking about wills, uh, you notice uh, that there's so many of uh you know, uh, uh, people in your profession, especially uh, Muslim uh, lawyers, are uh, going around and encouraging people to make wills. Uh, the uh, ulama is there; the different, uh, you know, ulama bodies also encouraging people. And uh, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, before we uh, we uh, close up, uh, you, know, uh, a quick, uh, uh, you know, a quick, you know, a quick summary from you, uh, Muhammad.
0: Okay, so, alhamdulillah, even though we live in a secular community and secular environment, and our government is non-religious uh, or, uh, you know, non uh, uh, they, 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 the element of religion doesn't feature in our government, let's be honest about it. We as Muslims are free to dispose of our assets in accordance with Sharia. Today we have many Islamic organizations whose sole purpose is to assist, so there are organizations and our religious bodies that today that give you the necessary advice that help you draw up your world according to Sharia. And even they, when they pass on, they assist attorneys like ourselves in going out and, and, and explaining or rather dividing their estate in terms of Sharia. So we get a lot of support. I must be honest, the turnaround time is good. They are professional. They are recognized by the various masters officers. I once had to do a presentation to a group of non-Muslims about Islamic law and how Islamic law works so that when they also are confronted with this either through uh, clients giving advice or working in government departments like the master's office they understand what it is that uh, Muslims do and consider to be important and yes the recognition for us as Muslims is there we have no excuse if today we do not divide our state in terms of Sharia We have other desires, sure. We have other wishes and we'd like to do things differently that may be the case, but we submit to the will of Allah, and when He has decreed something for us, we take it in its stride. So I would encourage everybody to make sure that they go to the right organizations or go to the right attorneys, the right accountants, the right professionals, get the right type of advice draw up their walls that is strictly in accordance with Islamic laws, you know, certain things need to be met, that in terms, according to who's, so for example, when you draw an Islamic wall, say, I'd like for Mufti so-and-so to issue a statement or a certificate to say this is how the Islamic law will be divided. I am aware that my brother owes me so much amount of money. I am prepared to write it off. State that in the Islamic you are allowed to do that. You are allowed to give one third away to your non-beneficiaries. So in other words, you have a cousin, you have a sister that's struggling, and you know that your financial assistance would would, would benefit her. The du'a that you would get in a circumstance like that, is immeasurable. These people would think, you know what? While he was alive, he looked after us, or he may not looked after us. But you know what? At least when he passed away, he made sure that he left a certain amount of his inheritance. Don't forget to, uh, to 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 also take out up to a maximum of one third, of course, for Islamic institutions, for religious institutions, for dawa institutions. They need your support. They need your assistance. And you sit down and you contemplate and make this decision. Make this decision um, generously uh, so that, you know, the work of Dawah, the work of Islam, the work of Deen, the work of Talib continues. And whatever little bit that it is that you are doing, it is part of your reward in the year after and continues until to, to, to accumulate goodness for you, even in the grave.
1: Muhammad, absolutely brilliant. Uh, you have a, mashallah, beautiful evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi barakatuh. Thank you, Lukolo, for beautiful engineering. Uh, keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for beautiful programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you, As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.